you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Atheist Alliance International, or AAI, found themselves embroiled in intense controversy recently. What happened? Was the controversy justified, or was it all sensitive snowflakes losing their shit over something stupid? Nick Cannon got in some hot water recently for parroting some talking points from a cult, the black Israelites. I've talked about him before. What did he say? How'd he respond when he was called out for it? Is he a black Israelite? We're going to take a closer look at the situation. But before we take a look at all that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen. It's Alexis from New York. Um, I have two questions. One more of a serious-ish one, the other more of a throwaway. Um, so I was talking. Well, I met this Jehovah's Witness named David on an online site. He didn't know I was female, so he was trying to recruit me, I guess. So my first thought was just, I told them I was an apostate, but I was confused when he said that he didn't care that they believed anyone can be saved. So that confused me. So eventually we ended up like not talking anymore for a while. And that's it. Have a great day. Bye, Owen. The thing that makes cults unique and different from standard religions or standard groups, generally speaking, is the unity of thought. It's how unified all of the members are. And the reason that there's so much unity among all of the members is because cults use behavior modification through a system of rewards and punishments to form out a cult personality in people. Whether it's intentional or not, that is the end result. You end up with a person that has a cult personality. They also discourage outside sources of information. They want people to get their information from cult-approved sources or directly from the cult itself. They try to control you emotionally in various different ways, through shunning tactics, shutting down criticism by preventing you from talking to the critics. And the culmination of all of those facts leads to a cult personality in every member that makes them almost like clones of each other. General statements don't apply to people. For the most part, you shouldn't use general statements. I'm sure you've heard that before. But cult members are different. General statements in that unique case do apply to cult members. Like all Jehovah's Witnesses will refuse a blood transfusion. By definition, if you accept a blood transfusion, then you aren't a Jehovah's Witness. At least not anymore. What you're saying here about... You know, you telling them that you're an apostate to try to shut the conversation down and move on with your life, 
And he seemed a little bit more accepting of that than you would have expected. In some cases, you'll find that they aren't entirely indoctrinated into the system. They haven't fully taken on what Jehovah's Witnesses would call the Christian personality. They haven't taken on the cult personality entirely. Or maybe they did take it on, but they're kind of on their way out. There are a number of different reasons why he may not be fully wearing that Christian personality, as Jehovah's Witnesses call it. But by definition, Jehovah's Witnesses are afraid of apostates and believe that they're mentally diseased. Maybe he didn't believe you when you said it. Maybe he thought that you were just parroting something that you had heard or something like that, so he didn't really fear that Satan was in your mind like they fear of apostates. But uh, I would say that's the exception, not the rule. Hey, everyone, this is Daniel from Florida. Um, you know, I really appreciate the work you do. Uh, Help me with a lot of stuff. I was just wondering, um, my parents were pretty hardcore Nazarenes. Um, I remember that when it was kind of came time for my senior prom, they wouldn't let me go because they, you know, believe dancing is some kind of sin or something like that. I'm wondering if that's something that is a normal thing for Christian denominations or if that's just something strange that they believe. Thanks. Church of the Nazarene is an interesting group, and, I, and I've talked about them on my channel before. I have a video about the Church of Nazarene. It's been a while since I've researched them. It's been a while since I talked about them, but if I remember correctly, Church of the Nazarene is more of a category than a very specific group. Like you've got Pentecostals are a small group within the Protestant category of Christianity. And Pentecostal covers a number of different denominations. Church of the Nazarene is similar to that. I think there are like two or three different groupings of Church of the Nazarene, so, and they all kind of have different beliefs, but some of those groupings are straight-up full-blown cults, and I talked about that in the video that I did on this group. If I remember correctly, there are a few things that set Church of the Nazarene apart. One of the uh, defining features of the group is the fact that they believe in extra non-canonical books of the Bible. Forever ago, when the Bible was kind of being assembled, I think the Catholic Church was predominantly who was deciding which books go in the Bible and which don't. And they were basically picking some books and tossing out others. Some books almost didn't make the cut. Like the book of Revelation almost didn't make it into the Bible. Imagine what the world would be like now if the book of Revelation hadn't been included in the Bible. It would be a very, very different place. Like, the decisions that were made by those people at that exact moment changed society, you know, hundreds or thousands of years later, so much. It's crazy. Church of the Nazarene, to get back to it, they believe in some non-canonical books, some, like, apocryphal books, if you will. And one of the books, I forget the name of it, I think it's the book of Nikolai, 
I could be off base there. Somebody can leave a comment on the clip and tell me if I'm wrong on that name. But the book, basically, it's, it's another gospel. And it describes what happened to Jesus after he left, after he died. And it, it describes this event where Jesus went to hell and had to take the keys to the kingdom back from Satan. And after that three days, he succeeded in taking them back and defeating Satan. And it, it's just like this really bizarre story. That's one way in which Church of the Nazarene is very different from other Christian denominations. They are also very, very extreme in some cases. Like you said, your family, I think, doesn't believe in dancing. I know Seth Andrews, uh, the Thinking Atheist podcast, he gave me the, my favorite phrase of all time, probably, that came out of evangelical Christianity. His family used to say, dancing is a vertical expression of a horizontal desire. I absolutely love it. That pretty much sums up evangelical Christianity, doesn't it? I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing saying, and it's so sad in so many ways. There are a lot of denominations out there, especially evangelical denominations, that are anti-dancing. So you're not alone in that. Um, I think it's completely outrageous, completely ridiculous that that's even a discussion. Hey, Owen, this is Nico calling again from Hawaii. I just had a question for you. I wanted to get your take on it. Um, what do you think is the best way to convince someone who doesn't value logic that logic is important? Like when a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door and they're trying to give you their message and you point out the logical flaws in what they're saying and they just don't get it. What's the best way to convince them that having a logical understanding is is worth something. If you're coming to the point where they're denying logic and, and refusing to accept it, I would say a better approach may be to lead them through the logic yourself without bringing it up uh, directly in a very non-confrontational way. There's a method of interacting with people called street epistemology, and I've talked about it on my channel many times before, but I consider it one of the best ways to basically deprogram somebody, to try to bring them over, to try to walk them through step by step so that they come to, to the conclusions on their own. They can sit there and say, I don't accept the logic or whatever else, all they want. But if you're walking them through step by step, they're using the logic whether they like it or not, whether they're even aware of that or not. So what I try to do is just take it step by step with them. Ask, him what, ask them what they believe so that you're both on the same page. Like, do you believe that God's name is Jehovah? Yes, they do. Okay, that's a good starting point. So now we have established what they believe. Now we have to ask the question, why do they believe it? What, why, and how? We've established what they believe. Now we want to find out why they believe that thing. Now Jehovah's Witnesses will give all kinds of reasons for why they believe that Jehovah is God's name. They'll talk about the English translation of Yahweh being Jehovah and things like that. Ultimately, you can cite facts to them. You can say, 
the letter J didn't even exist until like the 14, 15, 1600s. Right there, it debunks it. But if you jump to those conclusions and present that data to them, that objectively true data, they're going to reject it. So you want to lead them to that conclusion without outright saying it. You want them to come to the conclusion. You don't want to present it to them. So we've established what they believe. We've established why they believe it. And now the third question, how, is how can we know for sure? How can we test it? How can we verify that you are correct? Ultimately, when you go through that process with somebody asking the questions and leading them to the conclusions, what you find is everything that they believe without evidence boils down to faith. That's the definition of faith, ultimately. Belief without evidence. And at that point, you can ask them, how can we know that we are more correct in our Christian belief, using, you know, us and we words so that they feel included in this, so that they feel like you and they are in it together, trying to work to find the answers. How can we know that we're correct when a Muslim says the exact same thing? How can we know that we're right when a Muslim bases their beliefs off of faith exactly the same as us? How can we tell if we're correct or the Muslim is correct? And ultimately, at the end of the conversation, 99.9% .9 of the time, there is, there is no answer to it. So they're just going to throw their hands up and say, I, I don't know. At that point, end the conversation and move on to another subject and kind of let them stew on it. In a, in a day, two days, a week, two weeks, even a month, come back to it. Do it again. Ask them questions about it again. If you lead them down the logical path and you make them feel like you're working together to come to these conclusions and figure this out together and you don't, have, and you don't do something that will throw their guard up, you keep their guard down and stay non-confrontational, then you'll have the highest rate of success with it, I think. Um, hi, this is Carson. I live in California. And I was just, um, I was just calling to ask what you think about non-binary people. Um, yeah, uh, well, thank you for uh, listening, and I hope you have a great day. Bye. It was kind of a short question, and it's probably going to be a fairly short answer, too. Generally speaking, um, with, with all things, with everything, the number one thing that I always keep in mind while interacting with people is I'm not inherently better or smarter than any other person out there or more worthy of respect in any sense. So I'm going to respect you as a person as long as you respect me as a person. If you tell me that you are non-binary, then you're non-binary, bottom line. I have no issue with that. I will show you respect if you show me respect, pretty much. I have no issues with what people want to be called or what they call themselves or anything like that, and I will do my best to use the pronoun that you prefer. That's just what it is. Like, It doesn't affect my life in any way, shape, or form or anybody else's life for that matter, except for yours. So 
I will show you respect as a human as long as you show me respect as a human. So. Hey, Owen. This is Jake from Utah. Um, I was, I was just, I'm a big fan of your, um, of your channel and everything. And I was just curious because a few years ago, I knew, uh, I had a neighbor, um, who was Jehovah's Witness. And, uh, we would have some interesting conversations with each other. And, uh, I do remember him talking, especially if we got talking about government and politics. Um, he expressed some opinions like what it sounded like that Jehovah's Witnesses have a disliking for organized government or like the U.S. government and military service specifically. So like what what are Jehovah's Witnesses' stances on government and specifically can like what would happen if like them they got drafted by the military like are there do they claim religious exemptions? I hope that question makes sense and uh hope you continue doing what you're doing. Uh you helped me leave my own religion, so thank you very much for all your help. Have a good day. So Jehovah's Witnesses definitely do have a disdain, if you will, for the government, not just the U.S. government, for any government at all, because they want to run their own government. That's what they want, ultimately. And they have something of an infrastructure set up for it already. The elders act as investigators, judges, and juries. They pretty much have the final say. They even have an appeals process. If you do something wrong and they decide that you, di that you did do something wrong and they decide to reprimand you through either disfellowshipping, which is basically shunning, completely cutting you out of the community, uh, cutting away your family and your friends and everybody and everything. Uh, if they decide to do that, you can appeal their decision. You can go up one level above them. But I think that there's only one appeal. Or they can decide to do what's called reprove you. It's basically like you're not allowed to take part in privileges, as they call them, quote-unquote privileges, where you carry the microphone around to like give to people at meetings when they're giving answers. You can't give sermons, basically. You can't give talks at the meetings and things like that. You're basically a woman at that point. <laughs> You're treated just like a woman because women aren't allowed to do any of that stuff either. In addition to losing privileges, you also are viewed as bad association, quote unquote. Your friends and family will kind of distance themselves from you a little bit. They won't stop talking to you, but you could act as a bad influence to them and drag them down with you. So they'll start distancing themselves from you to kind of teach you a lesson, I guess. Kind of tell you, hey, we're just going to cut you off completely if you don't pull it together and fall in line and toe the line and do what we tell you to do. That's pretty much what reproval is. But that's their system of government and their system of punishment in a nutshell. That's pretty much how it works. Uh, unfortunately, they view 
all transgressions as sins, not as crimes. So they want to keep everything internal. If you do something wrong and there's only one person there to see it, like if you commit a heinous crime and only one person was there to witness it, what they do is they pretend it didn't happen until a second victim or a second witness comes forward to tell the elders about it. Then they, they're basically going to assume that it's true. And that's the heart of one of their biggest issues as a religion. That's not how the court system works. That's not how investigations work. We only need one allegation of, of wrongdoing in the real world to get police to do investigations, to check DNA evidence, to look for fingerprints. Elders don't have access to that kind of technology. So the fact that people are going to the elders and telling them, this person did this really heinous thing to me, and the elders are just waiting for a second victim, not telling the, the police, not doing anything, completely sitting on it and ignoring it until a second victim comes forward. That's a problem. That is a serious issue in the religion. It's a flaw, a fatal flaw. The reason that Jehovah's Witnesses use that two-witness rule, as they call it, there have to be two witnesses or two victims to move forward with like an allegation of some sort, is because that is actually in the Bible. It's kind of set up as a biblical system. Like if people in Bible times were signing a contract, there needed to be two witnesses there to witness this, the contract signing, or, the, or it was just invalidated, basically. It was as though the contract never happened, pretty much. But Jehovah's Witnesses are taking this tool that ancient cave dwellers used for verification in civil matters, and they're applying it to criminal matters. And it's just straight up wrong, and it, and it leads to lots of hurt people. There's an understanding of how the system works, so naturally there are loopholes that people take advantage of, and Jehovah's Witnesses refuse to build on the system to close those loopholes. With the U.S. government, we basically have, as, as human beings, we have an idea of, of morality, what's right and what's wrong, and what we should and shouldn't do, right? But there's a lot of gray area in there. And as a result, in the U.S., every time we find some gray area or every time we find a loophole of some sort, we add a law to the books that closes that loophole, that makes the system more moral and just. I mean, that's the idea behind it, anyways. Maybe it doesn't always work out that way, but that's how it's supposed to work. The Constitution is supposed to be a living, breathing document that can be added to if we find some other area in life that requires inherent rights or something like that. Something that the, the Founding Fathers overlooked can be fixed because we can add to the Constitution. But with Jehovah's Witnesses, that's not how it works. They default to a two to 5,000-year-old contract signing rule, and they apply it to civil matters, and they refuse to change it no matter what. 
and it leads to hurt people. Leah Bryant, the redneck feminist. Shameless plug for my subreddit, r slash anti-NIFB. I appreciate the super chat. Um, Very interesting about the subreddit. Hopefully it takes off. When we come back, we're going to talk about Atheist Alliance International and the controversy they've found themselves in. Is it justified or is it just a bunch of sensitive snowflakes? Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So for those of you who may be unaware, there's a lot of drama happening in the atheist community at this immediate moment. I'll tell you what, let's just read this article by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. The title of this article is Leader of Atheist Alliance International Doubles Down on Use of Offensive Slur. Over the weekend, the executive director of Atheist Alliance International, Michael Sherlock, took on the persona of an I'm sorry, took on the persona of a teenage edgelord and called religion retarded, quote-unquote, which is a word that, for some reason, still remains in his vocabulary. The rest of us stopped using it a long time ago because it's a slur against those who are mentally disabled, but this guy insists that it applies to faith. He doubled down on it when others respectfully told him not to use it and then called one critic a cunt, quote-unquote, twice. He has since apologized about using the C-word, justifying his actions by saying he's an Australian who grew up in the lower socioeconomic class, which apparently gives you free license to use the word whenever you want. It would be easy to dismiss one immature hot-headed jerk. I could just block him and move on. But again, he represents one of the larger atheist organizations in the world, with nearly 200,000 fans on Facebook. They support atheists who are in danger in other parts of the world. As the group says on its website, they have special consultative status, quote-unquote, with the United Nations, making them the only group with the word atheist in their name with that designation. I want them to succeed. Their causes are my causes, too. Then again... This is the same group that hired an alleged sexual predator, which was David Silverman, only to have him resign months later. It's a group whose board includes a man who belittles his critics when they raised serious concerns about misogyny and inappropriate sexual conduct. It's really hard to defend AAI when its leaders are doing things that are indefensible. Let me just touch on this for a second. Do I give a shit about somebody acting like this. No, I do not give a shit. I, I couldn't possibly care less that, this, that some dude on Twitter is running around saying that religion is a retarded relic of the past. That's what he said. The problem with this whole situation is that he represents the atheist community. He controls the Overton window for atheists. He is one of the people that controls public discourse in this field. He's high up in the atheist movement. And that means that whatever he says is going to push public discourse this way or that way. Do I want people to act like this who represent me? No, 
I don't think it's productive. I don't think it's helpful. I think it does active damage to the movement to act like a fucking idiot. I couldn't possibly care less about some jagoff saying this at a bar or even saying it on Twitter, whatever. But I don't want the movement to move this direction. The problem is that a lot of atheists have this idea that you can criticize religion, but not people. You should be addressing ideas, not people. And I agree. I am 100% on board with that. Criticize ideas, not people. But some things that you say aren't overtly offensive, but they're made to sound offensive. For example, there was a term going around forever ago. I think it was something like people in Bible times were donkey-riding cave dwellers. That's what they called them, donkey-riding cave dwellers. It sounds aggressive and racist, even though it isn't, but it has that feel. And that's what people think when they hear it. They, they get revved up. They get whipped up into a blood frenzy. They get angry. They get hateful when they hear things like that. When people hear religion is a retarded relic of the past, it has the effect of whipping people into a blood frenzy, making them angry and hateful. And I just, I'm not here for that. I don't want that to be the direction. I want to beat religion on the battlefield of ideas and not have the things that I say about it, even the ideas, sound angry and hurtful. I don't want the, the things that I say to inadvertently offend people. The mere fact that I'm talking about this stuff at all, the mere fact that I'm talking about cults and religion and criticizing it at all, is going to offend people, and they're just out of luck on that one. But I'm not going to use terms that are specifically used as slurs in reference to anything. In reference to anything. I don't want to use that stuff. I don't want that to be the direction that the discourse goes. So that's my position on it. Let's continue reading. It's really hard to defend AAI when its leaders are doing things that are indefensible. Sherlock is only the latest example. Sherlock, by the way, is I think he's the CEO of Atheist Alliance International. And he got on Twitter and started using slurs like that. Sherlock is only the latest example. His idea of atheist activism is saying anything to get a rise out of religious people, then throwing a temper tantrum whenever he gets criticized for it. That's really what it comes down to. He says things that sound offensive, that are intentionally inflammatory, to get people actually to feel hurt by what he says. And then he throws a fit when people get upset. It's like an attention-seeking tactic. If you want to criticize religion, if you want to criticize Islam, if you want to criticize Christianity, I'm here for it. I will stand right next to you and talk about the problems that it has, the ways in which it could be improved or eliminated completely. But saying things that sound offensive just to say them is fucked up to me. And I'm not here for that. 
In any case, this is Hemant Mehta speaking again. In any case, I can't support their work when this is what their leaders are doing. It's just embarrassing. There are other larger, better, and newer groups that help atheists around the world that I have no problem promoting, whatever our disagreements may be. People should give generously to those organizations. I can't say the same about AAI. Honestly, this is probably going to be a little bit controversial, but um, a while back, you guys probably know what happened to David Silverman, right? There were a bunch of allegations against him, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but I happen to know that these allegations are more than just allegations. I personally happen to know that. You shouldn't accept anything without evidence, of course, but there is plenty of evidence out there. So take that for what you will. David Silverman is a bad person, and he's a reactionary, and he has done harm to the movement. And truthfully, I don't want anything to do with a movement that has him as one of its leaders. So I'm glad that he's not a leader in the atheist movement anymore. But not long ago, Atheist Alliance International, AAI, actually hired David Silverman to be on their board, like brought him back into the community after he was kind of pushed out as a public figure, not allowed to be a public figure in the movement anymore. They hired him on their board knowing what he had done and knowing what the claims and allegations were against him and everything. And that was kind of a strike against AAI. Now, I believe in giving people second chances. Absolutely believe in it. But the information that I, I happen to know that AAI had at that time makes them hiring him inexcusable. Aside from that, it was only like, like what, two weeks or a month or something before Silverman did something else fucked up again and got fired from their board for it. Silverman, he has a persecution complex. He believes that everybody is always out to get him, and there's this cabal out to ruin his life just because he is who he is. Well, guess what, man? I know the situation. I know what happened. I know, I, I know all about it. And I, I just have to say, I'm glad that you're not a part of the movement anymore. And it sounds to me like AAI is also pretty glad of that, considering the fact that you left. I guess he resigned. He wasn't actually fired. He resigned. After Sherlock, the CEO, said that religion is a retarded relic of the past, using that slur, he then went down with the ship to defend his use and started claiming that he was using it in a sense of like retarding, uh, like a fire retardant, for example using it in a different tense than he actually used it. Claimed that it wasn't intended to be used as a slur when it obviously was. Like He can argue that it wasn't used as a slur all he wants, but nobody sees, nobody is buying that. But John Richards, a fellow atheist activist, I, I'm not sure how John Richards is involved. Maybe a board member of AAI, I don't know. Anyways, John Richards decided to go down with the ship defending him, too. John Richards decided to talk about how he was using it as though he was saying it has acted as a retardant to progress and things like that. It's just straight up not what he meant. 
and we can tell by context. And I can go through Sherlock's timeline and see the other shit that he's said that's been really fucked up and acted as a dog whistle to being really racist and bigoted. Maybe he's never actually said anything racist and bigoted. I don't know. I think he has. But even if he hadn't, it's just like I was saying earlier when people call people from Bible times donkey riding desert dwellers. It may not actually be racist, but it sounds like it. It, it, it's used to fire people up and make them angry and hateful. So John Richards decided to go down with the ship, screaming about how he meant it as a retardant to progress, not as a slur. And honestly, I'm just straight up baffled by John Richards' behavior. Like, why is he doing this? It's like when Donald Trump made himself the enemy of the George Floyd protests. Nobody was pissed off at Trump at that time. Trump could have made a gesture of goodwill toward the protests and come out ahead, gotten all of those people to vote for him in November, but he made himself the enemy of the protests. Why did he do that? I don't understand. I don't get it. Where is his head at? It's the same with John Richards. He made himself the enemy by defending to the death the use of the word retard. Why? Why did you do that? And I just tweeted at John Richards recently because I can see him digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper, trying to, what, set things right? I guess John Richards wants to set things right, wants to correct the record or something. I have news for you, John Richards. I hope you're listening to this, okay? There is no setting the record straight. The people that are upset over this are upset over this. That's it. You're not going to fix it. You're not going to change their minds right now. The narrative is not in your favor. People are very angry that he used that slur. And there's just no fixing that. Here's your best bet. Either remove Twitter from your phone completely so that you can only access it when you intend to by like sitting down at a computer or something. Remove it from your phone so you're not tempted to like sit there and scroll through and look at all the like the hate tweets and all that and not tempted to respond to any of them. Or alternatively, just start blocking people willy nilly. Just block whoever you want so you stop getting hate tweets and go to a wholesome section of Twitter. Go to like rate my dog at rate my dog or Curious Zelda. Go to Curious Zelda's Twitter page. Some wholesome part of Twitter and just sit there and scroll through that. Get your mind off of this because you're not going to be able to set the record straight, quote unquote. You're not going to win here. Sherlock did something bad. He did something bad. And then he threw a fit and started calling people names when they call them out for it. Don't make yourself the target of this. You, you have effectively made yourself the target. Delete Twitter from your phone or just go to wholesome sections. That's my advice to you. Anyway, let's, let's continue reading this. In the days since I pointed out my problem with Sherlock's language, a number of his supporters have reached out to tell me there is another definition of the R word. 
as if this is news to me. Sherlock himself insisted today that's what he was saying, even citing a Christopher Hitchens line in his defense. Quote, God did not create man in his own image. Evidently, it was quite the other way about, which is the painless explanation for the profusion of gods and religions and the fratricide both between and among faiths that we see all about us and that has so retarded the development of civilization. That's a 100% acceptable use of the word retarded the development of civilization. That's an acceptable use. I will accept that. Um, generally speaking, you should probably avoid that. Like I said, I don't really give a shit about some asshole in a bar saying that, but you are the leader of an atheist organization that has special UN access, and you control the discourse that takes place in this movement. So using words that could offend people is fucked up. It's, it's just fucked up. That's what it is. If you want to do that from your own personal Twitter account, be my guest. As long as it doesn't say Executive Director of Atheist Alliance International in the bio, I don't fucking care. Let's continue reading. Hitchens, even if you disagree with the sentiment, use the word in the only way it should be used. I also know what Sherlock said. We can all read it for ourselves. It wasn't the definition Hitchens was using. It wasn't. It straight up was not. In the past few days, at least two members of the not-yet-publicized advisory board to AAI have told me they're resigning as a result of Sherlock's behavior. A third may be forthcoming. Update, yes, that third person has now resigned. Here's a quote from David G. McAfee. I had only accepted an offer to serve as a board member on a trial basis, but I, but I immediately left this organization upon becoming aware of the language referenced below. There's no room for this type of thing in an organization dedicated to helping others. Sherlock himself is now going on the offensive, claiming this is all part of some attempt to purge thought crimes from the atheist community, which is a weird way to say he's sorry. Here's a quote. There appears to be a growing militia of morality police in what may be loosely described as the atheist community. This is a small yet vocal handful of self-righteous and self-appointed conformity crusaders on a jihad for puritanical purity among atheists, who see it as their moral duty to cleanse the atheist movement of its heretics. Who fucking cares about the, the use of the word retard? Nobody gives a shit. I don't want the discourse in the atheist community to go there. I don't want it to move further toward the reactionary direction. I don't want it to sound like a bigoted, hateful movement. It hurts us when it goes there. If individual people want to use that word, I don't fucking care. You have executive director of Atheist Alliance International in your bio. I will not accept you using that shit when you have that in your bio, this is Sherlock speaking still, I believe. The heretics are the atheists they perceive as being imperfections and impurities within the desired orthodoxy they crave for the atheist community at large. I do not, however, share their imam, like zealotry for enforcing informal blasphemy laws on a diverse array of atheists who do not share their personal beliefs, values, and opinions. This is like somebody coming to me, like I talk about cults all the time, right? I study cults. It's what I do as a job. That is my job to study how cults operate and communicate that to a larger audience. 
I feel like this is the kind of thing where like somebody comes to me and starts telling me they're seeing cults everywhere in everything like saying sjw's are a cult and anti-sjw's are a cult and religion is a cult and all of religion government's a cult military's a cult everything's a cult it's the exact same thing i'm seeing from this guy right now talking about the atheist movement having heretics using blasphemy laws and all of this other bullshit like give me a fucking break seriously hemant meta Using the word retarded to describe something is offensive. Sherlock, how dare you punish me with your atheist blasphemy laws? Look, if you can't criticize bad ideas without using lazy and offensive language, it means you're a bad communicator. That in itself wouldn't be a problem, unless you're in a job where communication is pretty much the whole gig. This isn't about bad language or some, or some weird desire for purity. Sherlock, the author, can say whatever he wants, and his fans can support or reject it all they want. Sherlock, the head of an organization, ought to hold himself to higher standards. If he won't, then the group should. If the group won't, then the people should at least be aware of it before they decide to donate any money to their efforts. Sherlock didn't mention me by name in his post, but he did accuse me of plagiarism for a video I made in 2013, a video that literally says in the description that his blog post was the inspiration and also includes a direct link to it. Nothing screams plagiarism like giving credit to your source. I don't get what Atheist Alliance International's game plan is here. If the group's goal is to build allies to create a more secular world, burning every possible bridge by hiring a leader who can't control his own emotions and lashes out against anyone who dares to offer constructive criticism, not to mention hiring David Silverman, which has his own grouping of problems, seems counterproductive. For a group that claims to value integrity and inclusion, no one there seems to care what's happening at the top of their own leadership pyramid. I actually couldn't possibly agree with Hemant Mehta more on this entire article. Like, this whole thing was very on point. This is a really long segment, but I felt like it was an important subject to cover. I felt like I needed to talk about this. I'm really not a fan of the fact that people at the top of the leadership in some atheist organizations are, like, super reactionary, like, semi-right-wing kind of extremists in some ways. And just doing anything they can to get attention. Like, it's obnoxious and I can't fucking stand it. And I don't want anything to do with it. All that being said, I don't really believe in destroying somebody's reputation over some stupid little small thing. So, I'm more than happy to just... This is going to be my only entry on the subject, unless some serious new information comes forward. I don't like John Richards, personally. He's one of the people involved in all this. I just don't like the guy as a person. I think he's fucking obnoxious. Um, and I think he should put his phone down. Let me just read a couple of super chats real quick. Leah Bryant, the redneck feminist, says, I was wondering, is the living church of God, a.k.a. Armstrongism, a cult? I have a member of my coven who's an ex-member of it, and she, t and she calls it a cult. Never heard of it, actually. Surprisingly, I think I've at least heard the name of, you know, just about every cult out there. But yeah, I haven't heard of that one, surprisingly, so... I would have to look into it. This is very interesting, though. Evan Inge, wholesome section of Twitter, quote-unquote. The oxymoron award of the year goes to Owen. There are wholesome sides to Twitter, for sure. Like, um, Curious Zelda doesn't get more wholesome than that, man. Go to at Curious Zelda and just look. It's just a cat making poems. Seriously. Well, it's a person making poems pretending to be a cat, I guess. Does not get more wholesome than that. 
When we come back, we're going to talk about Nick Cannon saying some really disturbing talking points straight from a religious cult called the Black Israelites. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to take a look at is on the Friendly Atheist website. It's by Beth Stoneburner. The title is TV host Nick Cannon fired over anti-Semitic comments on his podcast. So let's give the article a read and see what it says. Entertainer Nick Cannon, a former host of America's Got Talent and current host of The Masked Singer, was terminated from Viacom CBS after making anti-Semitic comments on his podcast, Cannon's Class. During that episode, alongside former public enemy rapper Professor Griff, Cannon claimed black people are the true Hebrews and gave a voice to anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. So I've talked about this in the past, actually. There's a group called Black Israelites. I don't, Cannon hasn't actually said that this is, like, that he's a part of the group, as far as I know. But these beliefs come straight from the black Israelites. They'll stand on a street corner and scream at people, like get in their face and yell at them about being Gentiles and all kinds of really, really weird stuff. You should go look at my video on my main channel about the black, the black Israelites. It's really old, and I intend to do like an updated version of it because it's been a while since I've looked at that information. But it's a fascinating group to look into. Uh, I'll hopefully get to do another video, an updated one on them soon. Let's continue reading this. Such comments aren't new, unfortunately, but the conspiracies are completely unsubstantiated. In addition to the true Hebrews comment, quote-unquote, Cannon didn't raise any objections when his guest made a comment about Jews controlling the media. Here's a quote from Nick Cannon. Predictably, Cannon released a not a not-pology to the press. This is how Nick Cannon responded after the controversy. Anyone who knows me knows that I have no hate in my heart nor malice intentions. I do not condone hate speech nor the spread of hateful rhetoric. We are living in a time when it's more important than ever to promote unity and understanding. This makes me think that, like, the group that this guy is a part of right now, the Black Israelites, it is an inherently hateful group, disturbing group. The fact that he's saying, anyone who knows me knows I have no hate in my heart nor malice intentions, it makes me wonder if he is just like being indoctrinated and has no idea what this group is all about. If he's just going with it because he, you know, he's friends with people who are part of it or whatever, and he's just believing what they're saying. Like, these are the words of a sucker to me, not a vicious, angry, hateful person. It's just somebody who's gobbling up nonsense. That's what it seems like to me. Let's continue reading. And yet, the things he said on the podcast, or agreed with anyway, were hateful and divisive. By the way, before we continue, actually, I just wanted to mention uh, the black Israelites are generally considered to be Scientology for the black community. That's pretty much what it is. It's a very extreme group 
with very extreme ideas and beliefs and is inherently hateful and discriminatory as an ideology. It's an extremely harmful and dangerous group. Let's continue reading. And yet the things he said on the podcast, or agreed with anyway, were hateful and divisive. Someone who doesn't condone hate speech should at least recognize it when it's spoken right in front of him. Someone with his platform should be front and center in calling out bad behavior. Instead, his statement didn't denounce any specific comments that were made, nor did he announce any efforts to learn about Jewish history or culture. Before any complaints about cancel culture, keep in mind that Fox, which airs The Masked Singer, said they would continue working with him. He is clear and remorseful that his words were wrong and lacked both understanding and context and inadvertently promoted hate, Fox said in the statement. Nick has sincerely apologized and quickly taken steps to educate himself and make amends, the statement continued. On that basis, and given a belief that this moment calls for dialogue, we will move forward with Nick and help him advance this important conversation broadly. This is back to Beth Stoneburner. What steps he's taking, how he'll show his newfound understanding, and how he'll advance the conversation are anybody's guess. Okay, so I guess Fox said he is clear and remorseful that his words were wrong and lacked both understanding and context and inadvertently promoted hate. And they said Nick has sincerely apologized and quickly taken steps to educate himself and make amends. If that's true, if that's true, Nick Cannon is still a bitch. No, I'm just kidding. I don't like Nick Cannon. I've never liked Nick Cannon. And the reason I don't like him is partially it goes back to how much Eminem hates Nick Cannon. And this is a little known fact about me. I'm actually a really big Eminem fan. I I don't like rap. I'm a big rock fan. Metal fan, actually. I love Pantera. It's one of my favorite bands of all time. Love Metallica. Love Tool absolute favorite band of all time tool um but eminem it's just got a place in my heart honestly eminem formed my view of how a father should act and feel about his kid eminem has always hated nick cannon and uh, i'm right there with him so whether he has done this stuff or not i'm still gonna hate him but but if he does take those steps to educate himself on the situation, understand why what he said was hateful and wrong and dangerous, I'd, I would be okay with companies keeping him on. I'd be okay with that. But I just so happen to know, as the resident cult communicator, if you will, that's not usually how it works. Typically, People will claim that they are working to understand and educate themselves better. And they'll say that they were sorry for what they said or did or whatever. In reality, they're behind the scenes diving even deeper into it in many cases. Who fucking knows? Who knows? It's Nick Cannon. I'm not the dude's best friend. I'm not sitting there in his living room with him talking to him about this every day. Maybe he really did recognize how dangerous this path is for him and, and how dangerous the, the black Israelites group is. Maybe he does recognize that. I don't know. But I would be willing to bet he's not going to say shit like that anymore 
either way. At any rate, uh, I'm okay with him being involved in media and everything as long as he doesn't bring that shit up again. Like Tom Cruise, I'm okay with him being in media and stuff, you know, being in movies and all that. And I'll go watch the movies that he's in as long as he's not trying to cram Scientology down people's throats. Unfortunately, that's kind of who he is. So I am very unlikely to see a Tom Cruise movie uh, for that reason. But hopefully Nick Cannon will at least steer clear of talking about that shit publicly and not cite extremists when he's in podcasts and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, that's where I'm going to end it for the night. I appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.